0: Welcome to All The Social Ladies, a podcast bringing you candid conversations with the boldest women in digital marketing. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and let's get into the show. You guys, this next interview is really important because I'm talking to somebody who I believe wholeheartedly is helping to change the world. Susan McPherson is the founder and CEO of McPherson Strategies. She's not only a master, master networker, but all of her networking is designed to help change the world. Her company, McPherson Strategies, works with Fortune 500 companies, NGOs, and countless others to help craft messages around important issues around corporate social responsibility. Not only is she helping them talk the talk, but she's helping them walk the walk. Take a listen as to how she does that and how social media plays a role in it. Welcome, Susan, to the show. I am so excited to be here, Carrie. Thank you. It's really wonderful to have you on. And I've been watching you throughout your career and the impact that you've had just in in taking social action. It's just, it's really, really beautiful to watch. And I'm so excited for my listeners to get to hear some of your story. I hope I can excite them. You will. You will. I know you will. So let's get started actually with the question that I open with everybody with that I think think will really give our listeners some insight into the type of change that you enact in the world. What are three moments in your career that you feel like have really helped define it and shape it?
1: Well, I always say I've had nine lives, which probably should turn into 10 lives at this point. But Um, I would have to say three, and that's a tough call, but I'm going to narrow it. The first would probably be when I landed my, as we call our first real job, which was as a researcher at USA Today in the 80s. And USA Today was fairly new.
0: And a big deal. And
1: a very big deal. I mean, literally, you know, we think of like how much change social media and the Internet have brought to the world of media. Well, USA Today was Another kind of major happening in the world of certainly the print news and even to a certain extent uh, broadcast. And, you know, everybody I think can relate. Your first job is a big deal. And it was like the big girl, you know, wearing my big girl pants and you name it.
0: And absolutely.
1: In 88, I got to spend the year on the election campaign and go to all the debates. So talk about an opportunity to learn about the world. And um, I will say, being trained as a journalist, grad school and then going and experience it, experiencing that made me inquisitive for life. So that would be number one. Um, Number two, in the early 2000s, I had the wonderful opportunity to travel back and forth to China quite a bit to open up um, and help open up PR Newswire's offices in Beijing and Shanghai. And I have to say, if any of your listeners have not been to China at this point in time, go. I mean, just, just from the standpoint of, you know, broadening your horizons into just how large and different and diverse the world is, seeing wow. seeing China, you know, and being able to go repeatedly was just a gift. And it also just made me, you know, granted, this was 15 years ago, but it, it helped me understand so much more about the world. and what could be happening 20, 30, 40 years from now in terms of of who's going to be running the world, et cetera.
0: Prior to China, were you very well-traveled internationally?
1: Absolutely. However, not to Asia. Um, Mm. And I will say China, you know, given, I mean, again, this was 15 years ago. So if I was to go back now to the places I visited, I probably wouldn't even recognize it. But to learn to do business in a culture so different from our own, um was just it just provided a lot of insight that I don't think any practical education would have provided or even
0: I love that yeah. I love that because it's not just about being well-traveled that's why yeah. I knew I knew that you had traveled prior it's about seeing yeah. how they operate Absolutely. That's a really good piece of advice for everybody I love that
1: well and especially if your job can take you somewhere uh you know whether it's living abroad most certainly but also in this case you know over the course of 2 years i think i went maybe 12 to 13 times so you know it did allow me to really get get a sense of not only the culture but you know how it, it to a certain extent how the government works how it, it is growing as a major global economic power so anyhow i'm always about whatever it's going to take to broaden your horizons and that mm-hmm. was that was a gift that i had that see i did think about these things that you you asked me to think about um, i love it and the third, de- the third one most most ha- has to be the day I decided to open up my own company, and that was about five and a half years ago. I mean, I'd be a fool not to say that was a defining moment of my career. But what I didn't anticipate when I opened my company was that it five and a half years later, we'd still be in business. So, <laughs> um, and that addresses the lack of confidence that I and so many women we know suffer yes. from. But What I can say to to people now is, you know, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But so that's the, those are the three defining moments as I am stating on this freezing cold afternoon.
0: It is actually, for our listeners, you will probably, by the time you hear this, this will be in your memory uh, but it is definitely one of the coldest coldest days on record Mm -hmm. here in new york city for sure so susan tell us about mcpherson strategies tell me about what went into the starting of the company tell me what the company does and what your passion and purpose is sure
1: well when i started it it was literally a placeholder until i found the next big thing and Mm -hmm. it just continued to grow and i'm proud to say even at this point in time, five and a half years later, that about ninety eight percent of the business has been inbound, um, which you know knock wow. knock on wood, knock on China, knock on anything, <laughs> 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 knock, knock on plastic. I mean, I don't well, I don't, I don't know how you know if that will continue, but I credit that to for years taking all those meetings when people would yes. say, "Can you can you provide an introduction? Can you help?" And I often joke that it wasn't that twenty. 25 years ago, I sat there with the calculation, well, I'm going to come back and find you after I help you. It's more that karma does exist in this world. And it does help when you take time out to assist someone else. Um, But the business was really founded on helping um, corporations and NGOs, and to a certain extent, social enterprises communicate their purpose and mission uh, to the audiences that each want to reach. And that could mean the general public, that could mean the investors of a company, that could mean the partners of a company, you know, and and obviously depending on who is the target, you use the same kind of communications tools that a traditional communications consultancy would do. However, this is all around social impact and social good. And to this day, we stay true to that. And our clients range from, you know, Fortune 500 companies to, you know, trade associations that are pushing the limit, um, uh, think tanks, um, and NGOs. And again, people say, well, what's a typical engagement? And I have to say that there just isn't one.
0: <laughs> yeah. People come, I, what I feel like it is, Susan, this is, this is how I've always perceived you, that you're such a giver in terms of connecting with everyone. You are, you're a very connected person and you meet with everyone and you offer to help everyone. And people know that when they want to do something around any kind of corporate sustainability any kind of social action any kind of positioning in that area you are the go-to person well, thank and i you. think I, you know I, I for me it's it's about you know getting what you give and you just give so much and so it's no no surprise to me that your business is so <laughs> largely generated from inbound because you know everyone because you've given to everyone it's it's really a good example of just how to grow a business in general
1: well and i i I was talking to somebody yesterday about this and in the beginning, you know, and, and I when I talked to entrepreneurs about this, and certainly on the consulting side, there is a, a notion of almost hoarding. Meaning when you have a really good month, you think, oh, I should just hunker down and put this money aside because there's going to be, there are going to be days, there are going to be times when there isn't, the business isn't going to be as flush. And a very wise woman who had been a consultant for a long time pulled me aside and said, whatever you do, don't hoard. She said, if anything, during those flush times is when you want to bring on additional people to do the things that you're not good at, and then you get out and continue to cultivate new contacts, meet new people, give talks, go to events. And you know what? I listened to her, and I surrounded myself with a team of people that are exceptional at all the things I'm terrible at. That enabled us to continue to grow without you know, doing quality work. Because I didn't want to walk away from existing, like, I didn't want to say to clients, see you later, you know, do like right. a bait and switch. But what I right. wanted to be able to do is alleviate any sense that they weren't getting the best quality care. So the team that I brought on board is actually still with me. I mean, and the, that's incredible. And we don't work together We're from like, we have various different locations, but when we get together, it's like, it's like we're family. So because we don't see each other all the time, there isn't that notion of, oh God, that person's chewing with our mouth open or. or...
0: <laughs> so you avoid, it's the good thing. You actually avoid all of that, it's... all of the workplace drama. You don't have it. And yet you have a team that really supports. This yeah. Good advice for people who are starting consultancies for sure. Yes. And I know for you, we are seeing more and more companies that are entering the cultural conversation to take a stand on social issues. Yep. And I know that you help company's position around this. Talk to me about your take on this. Why is this happening? Why is Gillette getting more involved and Nike getting more involved? And why are they entering the conversation around social issues? You know, there's lots of different theories, but I think the
1: number one is that we no longer have trust in our traditional moral institutions who we used to look to for guidance. And in that case, you know, it's federal government And of course, faith-based. I mean, you know, and and this is no, um, this is not to bring down religion in any shape, way, or form. But you know, when you look at the challenges the Catholic Church has faced it over all these years, it's leading people to look for other sources of inspiration and trust and purpose. And and companies have been smart to to you know jump on this. Um, But I also add the caveat that it has to be authentic they have to be doing more than just, you know, saying it, right. That has to be in their actions. Um, you know, years ago, a therapist said to me, you know, around, and this is of course around dating or divorce or whatever else happened right, in my life. Right. But it was like, don't look at men's don't, it's not men's words. It's their actions. And i I take that to everything in life. Right. I mean, if a company is going to step up for a social issue, they have to do
0: more than putting out a press release, Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that led to this, too, is that there are so many powerful negative messages out there from lobbying groups that have a lot of money the brands who have a lot of money have decided to step up the same way like a celebrity uses their voice to try and impact change because they know their voice is powerful. A brand's power lies in the dollars that they have mm-hmm. to market. Well,
1: and and in essence, the, it, it lies even more in the notion of connectivity. Um, with yes. their, because in this day and age, when you can just go on and buy your, you know, those great new Manolos, uh, but on Amazon, What can Manolo do? And I, you know, I just pulled that off. Not that I'm wearing them, but what can Manolo do to establish some sort of connection? And you know, there's very other than you know being in, um, you know, the world of intimacy and intimate relationships. The most intimate way a brand can get close to a customer is something such as what makes that what makes that customer tick? What makes her happy? What right. makes her feel good? And yes, buying a new pair of shoes, of course, will make her feel good. But if something, if those shoes stand for something that is more meaningful, she is much more likely to wear them, tell her friends, uh, tell her cousins, and probably buy them again. So, I mean, I, I hate to make it that simple, but it, it it's
0: really about that connectivity. Is it your position that all brands can and should take a stand? Or are there times for brands to not take a stand at all?
1: Again, I think only a brand should take a stand if they're going to put the full weight behind it, right? Yes. Um, because if if anything, you could run the risk of looking like it's fake, it's false, it's fake news. Um, you know, perfect case in point, right? We're, we're right now trying to get corporations to stand up to support women's access to reproductive health. Now, yes. it would be really awful if a brand stepped up but then oh by the way they don't offer maternity leave, right mm. I mean think how disingenuous that would be right yes um, yes so to me you know it's very much about making a concerted effort and again I don't think a brand needs to be perfect I don't think a company needs to be perfect I think it needs to show that it's making inroads and it's trying and it's being transparent and inevitably be by being vulnerable you will ingratiate yourselves to more people. On a positive note than on a negative note of those who walk away because they don't believe in that particular cause.
0: Absolutely. And I know you've been doing this, you know, in (laughs) terms of corporate responsibility, you've been doing this a very long time. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen over time with this?
1: Well, again, you know, with 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 this world that we live in today where there's a zillion ways to communicate, it's no longer just about the one ad or the one press release. It is about going beyond the talk getting your employees involved getting the public involved bringing in NGOs and actually activating an entire program it literally you know corporate responsibility for many years was literally the the and this I'm speaking mainly to US companies because it's different in other yes. parts of the world but in the United States it was doing what you could so that the government would stay out of your business and writing a check that the, to a, a cause that the ceo usually a white male above the age of 45 believed in i mean that was traditional csr in the united states yes it is yes. now much more around what is it that's going to motivate our employees what's going to keep our employees fulfilled what is going to mo- you know what you know what are we going to do to limit and reduce our climate you know the risks for climate change how can we be better stewards of the environment so that we cut costs so it's always indeed tied to the business. I would like to think it's all about you know altruism, but it's not. These are businesses, they have shareholders, they have to show returns. But what's happening is, and, and this may sound overly optimistic, but what I have been seeing and what studies show is that if companies are more going along this path, they will likely see the results in the cash register and their employees will stay on longer they will be more likely to recommend to other employees to come to work so in essence you know it's it's all about physically doing something and building it into the business
0: so it sounds like there's a more widely accepted understanding of the fact that if you do this you can and will see business results absolutely Absolutely. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so the brands are bought in now, right? We got it. Hopefully, we're (laughs) optimistic. They're bought in. How do we then take that and share that purpose, share what they're trying to do authentically beyond just running one ad or a press release, like you said? How do you really weave this? How do you get brands to help weave this into the fiber of their being? Well,
1: I mean, you make it part of every single department. You know, CSR used to be very siloed. But now you are seeing people with social impact located in various parts of the company. You'll have somebody in finance looking at ESG, um, meaning, you know, if, if, if a company wants to have investments from big mun- municipal funds, from, um, you know, from retirement funds, you know, the, the Wall Street investors of the world, that company has to prove that it is cutting its um, carbon footprint. OK, so you mm. have people there. You have people in H.R that are talking about all the, you know, the fact that the company matches donations, that the company philanthropically supports various organizations. You have, you know, certainly in marketing, you have people now that are trained to be actually talking about social impact. Um, Of course, you still have maybe one or two people in corporate responsibility that's bringing this all together. But think of it as it's very embedded into different parts of the company that can then ignite it to the outside players. So I, I I don't know if that makes sense. Sometimes I, I say, think of a firework that goes off and then the, the 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 little spark goes to each different department of the company.
0: I actually love this because it ties so nicely to what we do in social media. Yes. So it used to be in a company, you would have um, a whole department dedicated. When, when social media became a thing, they're like, okay, we need to build this huge internal social media group. And ultimately the way that social media is most successful at brands is when it is spread throughout the entire organization. When HR is focused on using social for recruiting and uh, global product development is focused on creating focus groups online and doing all of the different ways that you can use social. Mm -hmm. And then you have, of course, somebody sitting in the middle, but it is much more of, like you said, a firework approach. And so I I really, I can see how over time, I think in general, we see that happening in business, right? It's like, if you want- a movement you want something to to really change it has to be woven within all of the different departments Mm -hmm.
1: and you yeah you want i often say you know certainly in small businesses what's the first thing when i'm asked what's the first thing i should do as at my company to start driving you know uh, a a social good campaign or you know how do we pick i'm like survey your employees Even if you have 10, what, because if you ask them to get involved at the very beginning, it's likely that they are going to be the champions of it.
0: Yes. And Susan, do you, when you're looking at a positioning for a brand and you start working with a brand and you say, okay, we want to really focus on uh, the carbon footprint or you, you know, anything that they're, they're looking at, do you look at how something will play across to the public in social media as part of your work? And is that an important thing to do?
1: Absolutely. But again, the first thing we want to do is find out what are their goals? Who do they want to reach? Because we've worked with companies sometimes and only worked with them internally because they needed to they needed to educate their own employee base long before they were going out into the public, right? But there's been other cases where we have helped them not only internalize it and get buy-in internally, but then once they have everybody excited, then they take it to the public and would do the type of thing that you know likable does and that is ensuring that you know john q public or, or let's say joanna q public can be responsive and know about um we don't you know we're not we're tiny we don't have a big like design component but we would partner yeah. with a yeah. uh, you know a third party to to create that component or you know if it's a video but it's always it's really important what what is, the organi- what is the company organization wanting to do and how are they going to measure success from the beginning to, to you know the end of, of whatever they're trying to accomplish?
0: And I think it's really important what you said, that the company must embrace it internally before you go externally, because that's part of what makes it authentic and true.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you have, you have all those internal employees that can become brand ambassadors.
0: Absolutely. Okay, Susan, we're heading into the lightning round. Now, Yay! here's what we're going to so do. so excited. You ready? <laughs> yes. You're going to free your brain. You're going to free your mind. You're going to be like in a yoga meditative state. Uh, okay, and I'm okay. going to ask you like three questions. Okay. Three questions. Okay. And it's just whatever comes to your mind comes out of your mouth. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. We're going into our state. Hold on. Oh, here we um, go. <laughs> oh, we're in a calm state. Okay. okay, Susan McPherson. If you could use only one social network, which would you choose? Twitter. Really? Tell yes. me why.
1: Uh, it's just you know I've been it's second nature to me. I think of it as a big dinner party. Um, where I can be showcasing the good that people who come to my dinner party <laughs> um, are doing. No, I'm kidding. No, I just find it. I learn so much on Twitter. Um, I, I know. And and unlike some of the others, I, yes, you can go down rabbit holes on Twitter, but at least you you know if you stay away from bots and things like that, you actually do learn a lot. Um, and you I you do learn a do. lot. You do.
0: It's hard not to get nagged out, though. You're such a positive force of nature. How do you avoid getting nagged out? How do you not feel I don't like... Know.
1: I just I there's There's also some pleasure in muting people that are... Muting. Yes. So, and yes. you know, there's very other places in life you can actually mute people,
0: so... Yes. Oh, that's true. It is very satisfying. You're muted. Bye. Yeah, bye. Okay. okay. Now All we're right. back in our space. Oh, yep. here we are. What woman do you admire most in the world? Can I name a few? You can. Okay. I let you cheat.
1: All right. I have to say, um, I just saw Gloria the Play and it reinvigorated in my mind just what a stellar, you know, hell bent, you know, bra burner woman Gloria Steinem was and is. And to this day, she has opened so many doors for millions of us. Um, And then I was, you know, Michelle Obama, incredible. Angela Merkel. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, what Tarana Burke did with Me Too. Uh, Um, And then, you know, a hat tip to Angelina Jolie um, for the work she does on behalf of refugees around the world. And it's a cause that's near and dear to my heart. So. The, the, sorry, it's not, I can't limit it to one.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I'm a, I am a big softie. I allow us to cheat in the own questions Yay. because it's whatever that comes out of your I mind. Know. So I we're like. all good. Okay. Last question. Since you love Twitter, what's the best last tweet you read? <laughs>
1: um, let me think. Cause there were a couple today that I saw, but there was one that really sparked, but it's totally silly. I like silly. Um, it was from Nabisco and it said, here, here's your
0: Daily reminder to eat a cookie. That's a good thing. Daily reminder <laughs> to eat a cookie is when it's just time for a cookie, baby. They know. Well, Susan, it is such a pleasure to have Thank you on the you. show today. Thank such you. Such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Where should people follow you? Should they go to Twitter?
1: Add uh, that would be fine, Susan McKee One, or my web, the, my company's website, which is mcpmcpstrategies.com.
0: McPeaStrategies.com. Go there and get schooled because she is the best. Thank you, Susan. You are one fabulous social lady.
1: Right back at you, girl. Thank you.
0: That was all the social ladies. Don't miss new episodes every week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media and author of Work It, secrets for success from the boldest women in business. Follow me at Carrie Kirpin everywhere. And for more social smarts, be sure to follow Likeable at Likeable Media. Thanks for listening.